The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks, your climate focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, refreshed from my time away from the sticky, humid swamp of Washington, D.C. Today, I'm extra pleased to bring you my conversation with my favorite ideas man, Nick Huey. Nick hails from Utah, where he works in advertising. And if you are a longtime listener, you may recall that he was a guest on the show early in season one, where he appeared with Congressman John Curtis, also from Utah. Today, he's fine solo, and we will talk about where he gets his great ideas, as well as what's next for him and his far middle movement. But first, you're asking, and we are answering. Thanks to those who have contributed questions to Ask Bob Anything. Do you have a burning question you'd like to ask Bob? Head over to Apple Podcasts, click us a five-star review, and in the notes section, add your question. We will get to them all, we promise. And now, my conversation with Nick Huey. Welcome back, listeners. I'm smiling ear to ear because I'm here with one of my favorite people who I've really only met in person a couple of times, but he's just so phenomenal. I feel like he's a family member. Nick Huey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I love being here. I feel like you're my you know, brother from another mother, really. You're just... You're everything that I would want in a baby brother. I, why don't I put it that way? <laughs> <laughs> you are too kind. I, I would love to have you as an older sister. I mean, I'm the oldest. It's I don't have anybody to guide me right. That's why I turned out so bad. Thanks. I could have really used you growing up. You know, same. And I remember being in middle school, which we called junior high back in my day, and wishing that I had an older brother. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do actually have a couple of younger brothers. They don't listen to the show, so they won't be insulted that I said I would like to swap you out. But um, anyway, Nick, I just thought it was time to have you on because for those listeners who are members of Republic EN and get our weekly email that I send out every Friday, our Climate Week in Review, they're following along with you, my favorite ideas man, and your very clever ways of getting people to think about climate change and to draw attention to the issue in your home state of Utah. But I really thought it would be worth your time to come on and talk about some of those endeavors that you've spearheaded and just get a sense from you of, you know, how, how things are going there in the beehive state. Yeah. Things are going pretty well in the beehive state. I'd say for being a red state, it's one of the most climate friendly States in the union. Um, and why you know, do you think like, that is? Why, what is it about Utah that makes it unique? Uh, I think there are a few different factors. I think that Utah is a very community-oriented place. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that has to do, a lot of the culture is shaped by um, the LDS church, right? Mormons. Sure. Um, and I think that for a lot of Mormons, they put their faith above their politics, Mm-hmm. which isn't saying that it, nobody else does that, um, but it seems to manifest itself in some key ways in Utah. Uh, there's a lot in our doctrine about earth stewardship um, and even several LDS nonprofits that are all about taking care of the earth. And uh, 
and I, and so I, I think that that they see it as important to take care of this beautiful landscape. And the other part is the beautiful landscape. You know, it brings people in from all over who are just here to enjoy, whether it's the mountains and the fresh powder, you know, yeah. during the winter, or if it's Zion's National Park or Yellowstone during the summer. We just really, we, we're lucky to be surrounded by a lot of natural beauty that we want to preserve. And, and that kind of turns us into Republican environmentalists, which I think is awesome. The other thing, is that in Utah we have uh, we're trapped in at least where I'm at in the valley with mountains and so the air quality is very visual much more visual than the rest of the country so when we are polluting a lot of the air especially during the winter we get an inversion which all that means is that it pushes condenses all of the pollution into a much smaller space than it normally would be because the the cold air doesn't rise as much and we wind up not being able to see the beautiful mountains or Sometimes we can't even see more than 200 yards down the highway. It gets that bad. And we realize, you know, this is clean air. Whether or not we agree that climate change is an issue, clean air is obviously an issue here. So we have a vested interest in fixing that problem. So, so long- that's the city of, of um, oh my God, I almost said Seattle. I did not mean that. Salt Lake City sits, at the bo- sits in the valley. And then it's surrounded by mountains and it's a really, it's a rather populous city. It's not LA. So it's not like LA is sprawly and smoggy and there are tons of cars, but the, you have fewer people, fewer cars, but what pollution is being created gets trapped by the surrounding mountains and the cold air that's on top. Okay. Yes. Well, you know, I think that part of the challenge with climate change has always been that until relatively recently, recently it's abstract So unless you see something happening, you know, the sort of see something, say something saying, unless you see or feel something happening, it doesn't always rise to the level of being a priority. And correct. Yes. Agreed. So there you are. You Utahns understand air quality issues, and then you're probably seeing impacts on your ski season. I understand the West is in a massive drought situation right now, which is your winters as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Bad times, man. How are you going to do the snowman challenge this winter if you don't have any snow? If there's no snow, I, I don't know. See, that's the problem. We just want to put snowmen on the Capitol every year, and now we're not going to be able to. For our listeners um, who don't know what we're talking about, explain that project. I thought that was so clever, and I wish fun. that every winter city would do this. Yes. So this was a project that I did with Citizens Climate Lobby, um, and that was we, we were trying to look for, okay, who would be the best advocate for climate action? And we figured out, well, you know what species has the most to lose from climate change, even more so than, you know, polar bears is snowmen because they are, will literally melt and die. So we decided to make a little campaign where we made over 200 snowmen and put them on the front lawn of uh, the Utah state Capitol. And then we contacted all the news outlets because they're right there. And uh, said, hey, there's a bunch of people rolling snowmen and the snowmen all were holding signs that said, please price carbon. And uh, it wound up being a really fun little stunt for climate action here in Utah that got on. I think every Utah news station covered it. So I will definitely link some of those news reports in the show notes for anyone that wants to take a look. And more recently, you did your... um, air freshener campaign, which I also thought was just so smart and fun. So talk about that if you would. So I had somebody reach out from 
my days in college, her name's Kelsey and she's a, an amazing art director. And she said, Hey, how can I help? I've got some free time and I want to put it towards something I believe in. And so I said, sweet, let's start thinking of ideas. Um, and she came up with this idea of creating air fresheners that smell like the year 2050 if we don't act on climate. Right. So we looked at, okay, what are going to, what will be the effects? How might the world smell different? And our whole thing was, you know, you can't see the future, but with these, you can smell it. And so we came up with three cents. Uh, there may be a fourth one dropped in the future. We'll see, depending on, uh, you know, demand from the masses. But the three cents were bleached reef, uh, you know, playing off of reef, which is normally a scent, uh, burnt pine, as opposed to just pine and smoggy city. And uh, they all smelled super nasty. It was a really fun little thing that we can send to, we still have some to send to members of Congress. It's fun ways to message and uh, the, the nice part is they're car air fresheners. So you can put them in your, you know, diesel powered car. And it's a nice little reminder that, hey, that it'd be nice. It'd be nice if we could stop the emitting problem and eventually solve climate change so we don't have to smell this all the time. So where do you come up with your ideas? Is it the middle of the night? Do you have a notebook on the ne- next to your bed that you jot them down? In? <laughs> is it through collaborative conversation? Like, how do you, because I just feel like you have this great brain for this and you're in absolutely the right field. And we you're are very so grateful nice. you're in that field. So you how do you so get nice. your ideas? Uh, looking at other people for inspiration, like advertisers are trained to think like this. They call it thinking with the press release, which is uh, you look at an idea and you say, okay, to, to, to value whether or not an idea has merit, you look at it and say, okay, how would I write this in a press release? What would the headline look like? So for the snowmen, it was hundreds of snowmen surround Utah Capitol for climate change. That, could I see that being in some sort of The Hill article, you know, or Fox News headline? And if you can, you know, then go with your gut and make it happen and send out the press releases and, and get going. And if you can't, if you, if you think, man, that story is lame, it's not clickbaity enough, I wouldn't click on it, then you don't do it. And so I'm constantly trying to think of legit clickbait, not the clickbait where you click and you're disappointed by the story because it was lamer than what the headline said. I'm trying to come up with things that people are like, hmm, what in the world is that about? And then they'll click and read further into it. Uh, and so, yes, I do have, I have, I actually just email myself. I have a certain email folder that I will email with new ideas in the middle of the night you know, or, you know, right after I get out of the shower or whenever I have these ideas, I try to be able to have, get them down because I will forget them. And then if they're good enough, I look at it later, then I put it into a little calendar. I think either, is this something that I want to do is, or do I need to find a client who's willing to do this? And then I'll kind of pitch ideas to clients and see if we can bring it to life somehow. So when we last spoke, you were not working on your own, you had not launched your firm and now you have. And I thought for any listeners out there who might be looking for a great ideas, man, that you should pitch yourself a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So I started an ad agency in January. It's been really fun. So glad I did it. Um, Allows me to work with nonprofits that I care about and causes I believe in. It's called TerraTect, T-E-R-R-A, Terra like earth, and then tect, T-E-C-T dot org. Um, like you're, we're protecting the earth, right? 
and uh yeah it's been it's been really fun there's been a lot of legal stuff that i didn't understand that i'm getting to learn now i'm sure that they'll throw me into jail at the end of the year for accidental tax evasion so everyone has like everyone has like six months to use me before they're locking me away so (laughs) i'm ready all right well (laughs) listeners get out get on it contract that's right um, and do you focus solely on Utah or do you look at these issues from a national lens as well? A national lens. I mean, clean air is a very Utah specific issue and I think there are things we can do, but uh, really we need to be jumping on this from a national perspective uh, because that's the only way we're going to get other countries involved. So uh, when it comes to meaningful climate action, I think states can lead the way and prove out concepts, but then they need to be adopted at the national level in order for us to really address this. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. One thing that's really exciting in Utah that we've been talking a lot about on this show and otherwise is um, Congressman John Curtis from Utah, for those who don't know, who um, a few months ago launched the conservative Um, climate caucus. And this caucus was intended to be a place where conservatives of all sort of along the spectrum of their climate journey, anywhere from people who have introduced bills already to people who may not ever really have thought about what to do on climate, and even those who may have disputed climate in the past, coming together to create a forum for educational purposes Um, to have discussions that they might otherwise, some members might be embarrassed to have with somebody who's more knowledgeable. And I know that as somebody who gets imposter syndrome all the time, I really relate to that where I am sometimes intimidated, right? To be in a room with somebody, you know, they know a lot and you know a little, and you don't want to ask the questions because you're afraid of how it's going to reflect on you. But Mr. Curtis has created this environment where that is not at stake where anyone can come in and be part of the caucus and they can ask their questions. So one, how, why do you think it was Mr. Curtis who, who led with this idea? And two, where do you see that going from here? Yeah. So we had, I mean, we had Mr. Curtis on last time, right. And he was a long time ago when I first started talking to him, he wouldn't say the words climate change because we were in Utah, but he would, talk about air quality because we were in Utah. So that was where he started. Um, And I think he realized that he needed to create a safe space for us to talk about the real issue, which is climate change, because not everyone deals with air quality, right? It's not, it's, that's not a problem for everyone. So he realized he needed to create a safe space and it wasn't there for him. And so he started poking around looking for how to create that environment. I think he found a few allies and, and started to build something. Um, And it's been successful. I mean, who would have thought that there would be so many people that joined in to this conservative climate caucus right off the bat? More than 70 now, I think. I haven't looked at it. Yeah, it's growing like crazy. And and it's hard to argue that that is a bad thing, right? I don't care how jaded you are against the Republican Party. Republicans who represent roughly half of the government talking about climate change regularly and coming to the table in that way is exactly the kind of progress we want to see. Well, one thing that he said shortly after the caucus was named was that he he was asking for the media and those who are following it to give them a year, right? Give them a year to get their feet under the ground, um, get their the ground under their feet, <laughs> to get their feet under them, and then to check in and see where where what sort of progress they had made. Because as you and I both know, there how there were newbies on that 
caucus who have never been um, part of the climate discussion before. And that's what we've been begging for, right, is more Republicans to be part of the conversation. So you can't ask for that and then shut people out of the conversation. No, no, I think that's a recipe for failure. And, you know, every single meaningful movement our government has made, almost every single big piece of legislation that they've passed that's been an actual game changer has come from bipartisan solutions because our founding fathers designed this country so you can't leave without the other half of the country. You just can't do it. You know, there's a filibuster. There are all sorts of checks and balances that make it so you can't do that. So we've got to give up the the hope that we are going to sneak something by Republicans. If it's not bipartisan, as soon as there's a shift in power again, yeah. they're just going to cancel whatever climate policy we put out there. So having 70 Republicans who are willing to talk about climate and maybe hop on your legislation is an absolute bonus for any, you know, serious climate activists out there. Definitely. Let's um, shift over to the Senate, my favorite place, and talk about um, one of your senators, Senator Mitt Romney, who's also in that chamber been a leader on the climate issue and is very interested, or so we keep hearing, on carbon pricing, which is something that you and I both um, work pretty significantly on. Uh, so is your question, what are my thoughts on Mitt Romney? Yeah, or yeah. Give me your, is? like, him, him as a leader in the Senate on, on these issues. I mean, there's a, I, I think that he is a maverick, you know, I think that he has zero fear of doing whatever he thinks is necessary. Um, I think that he wants to be smart about climate action and that he doesn't want to cause more problems. And so he's trying to build a little bit more consensus around carbon pricing being the right idea. And, you know, when, when I went, I visited his office, when I went for my Senate testimony, I visited his office and they talked to me and their attitude kind of, I, I offered, did I talk to you about this last time? I offered my services to him and just said, Hey, listen, I, you're getting a lot of flack in the media right now, but I see you as a true conservative, a principled conservative. And I, I am here to help, you know, if you need help getting in the press in good ways, I'm happy to consult for free. Just I'm, I'm your guy. And his aides were like, that's very nice of you, but he doesn't care. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, oh, he doesn't no, care because no, no, he doesn't not, care about the press. Right. He doesn't, right. He doesn't care about the press. It's yeah. not that he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about the press. Right. And, you know, if he gets reelected in a few years, I, I, I don't know if he's planning on running for reelection. I really don't. He might be. Um, but the man has earned his retirement. I think he's a true statesman trying to do as much good as he can in the twilight of his career. Sure. So that's kind of what I, what I see his motivation being. I could be wrong, uh, but that was the impression I got. Yeah. And we need those mavericks, right? We need those people who are willing, especially in these hyper-partisan times. And it's sad to me that you have to be a, you know, quote unquote maverick to be bipartisan, but it's where we are right now. And I think the more that you see those relationships happening, the more that we kind of demystify bipartisanship and get back to it, because you and I both know it isn't always um, lauded by partisanship. And so- No, it's seen as a weakness. It's a liability right now. Right, which is uh, sad. It's really sad. Um, I think about uh, even negotiations in your own household, right? You are married and you have two kids or three kids? Two. Two. So so you get to play like man, I'm a man defense. That's good. 
Um, yeah. In my house, you know, I'm single mom and one kid is at college, but when the two of them are here and we're talking about something like what movie to watch, they will be like, well, we, t- the two of us vote for this and you're voting for that. So you lose. And I'm like, well, I think my vote counts more because I pay for the TV and I pay for our internet <laughs> access. Um, so, you know, you have negotiations on several levels, right? But when mm-hmm. you get to the Washington level and the stakes feel so high and you really, at the end of the day, people are just people, right? So yeah. I think about in the times, in the, the pre-pandemic days, there was um, a studio that I, a fitness studio that I used to go to quite frequently. And there was a woman from the Democratic side and a woman from the Republican side, both senators, and they were their friends and they would come together to bike classes and they would sit next to each other and do the spin class together. And I always thought that's so great because their friends now, they can't go to the Senate floor and say something mean about someone, right? They have they have this friendship, just like if you and I were friends if we were in a disagreement about something, we could do that in a respectful way. We wouldn't go on CNN or Fox News and throw oh, no. each other down, right? Of course. So I think the more that we can forge these kind of bipartisan, either friendships or um, activity together, be it on a, a bill, maybe they work on a bill together, then you can we can start to get back to that point. Because I don't think it has always been this way. I feel like this is a phenomenon of the last 10, 15 years, this hyper yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of things contributing to that, including social media um, and the way that news gets their clicks now. You know, it, it has to be clickbait. It has to drive that negative emotion because that's the only thing that's going to get people to click and you're going to lose viewers otherwise. So unfortunately, the market seems to be proving out that the angrier I can make you, the more you're going to engage with my content, content and stay there and I'm going to get advertising dollars. which is unfortunate. Well, Nick, uh, on that clickbait note, I will just say that as somebody who clicks on a lot of articles every day, whenever I click on one and I almost always see your name pop up, then I just know that it is going to be something good and worth my while to read. We need a young generation of of, of leaders who really embrace climate and understand the science and can get above, above the noise. I'm really hoping we're able to do that. And so far we've been able to, for, because it's so divided and angry right now, we've actually been able to generate more headlines and get more press by being radically collaborate, collaborative. (laughs) And so I'm hoping that that trend continues, right? We saw it happen with governor Cox when he put an ad together with his political opponent. Did you see that? No, I didn't. So Governor Cox got together with the Democrat who was facing him. And I'm not sure this would have happened if the race were even close. But still, they got together. And on Twitter, they said, hey, listen, we I think my ideas are the best. And then the other guy said, but I think mine are. But that doesn't mean we can't engage in civil dialogue and we don't respect each other. So we're calling for you know civility in politics, essentially. And it went super viral on Twitter. It was on like CNN and all the national outlets and... Uh, I think people are craving that. So, well, I'm going to try to work radically collaborative into more conversations. I think that sums it up perfectly. And may you go forth and be radically collaborative for the rest of the week and the days ahead. And as always, I look, I love talking to you and I hope that you and your family are doing well, ready for fall. Oh yeah. I love talking to you too. Thank you. 
Chase, did you miss me while I was gone? You know I did. I hope you had a fun vacation, though. I know I had fun breaking away, laboring day, worked a little bit on Labor Day, but we were thinking about you, our entire team at Republican, while you were off gallivanting somewhere, I'm guessing, in the northeast of the United States. I was definitely in the Northeast, in New Jersey, and then in Maine, and a few spots in between, but it was really glorious. Got a little tail end of Hurricane Ida, even, so, you know, it was all good. Yeah, it was nasty up through uh, New York City, and that kind of amount of rain that they were getting hold, my goodness. I know. It actually impacted my drive home, which I, you know, you just don't expect that. So, yeah, that's not a good sign, Price, not a good sign. Well, it was great to have Nick Huey back on the podcast again this week. I know Nick is clearly, you were gushing from start to finish, uh, wanted to adopt Nick. I thought we were going to have to sign adoption papers. Might still have to do that by the end of this episode. Well, he is I a great guy. Well, I like a little brother, but I actually think he might be young enough to be my kid. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is scary in a way. I feel like I'm younger. I feel younger than I actually am. So, uh, yeah, Nick is a wonderful human being, so creative. I love how his mind works, and I just love how devoted he is to moving the needle on climate change. He's had some great ideas over the years, and I think, you know, like he was talking about the press release, it's it's a great way to to view it when it comes to marketing ideas. And, you know, you got to be able to encapsulate kind of the idea that you're trying to get across, you know, when it comes to, you know, I don't want to call them stunts, you know, or like he's termed it clickbait, but... You know, you got to have a hook, you know, and you got to do something a little bit different, but then you got to be able to break it down pretty simply for, you know, news media and a headline of why, why should they cover it? So, right. And um, that's where he really excels, I think, is in that process. So, so yay for Nick. And I understand we have a new question for Bob this week. We do. And ask Bob anything. This is from Anthem Sponge, and it is question or the comment then questions here it is further to the question of why no republicans have co-sponsored ccl's carbon fee and dividend bill are there other carbon fee bills that republicans are instead sponsoring in particular i'm wondering if there has been an industry supported carbon fee bill that included a clause limiting the financial liability of fossil fuel companies for their role in causing carbon pollution and or funding the denial campaign what's the story on that that comes from a former Beaufort, South Carolina resident down near where Bob is from in Bluffton, South Carolina. Bob, take it away. So we got several questions here. One is um, whether the, uh, there are any Republicans co-sponsoring bills other than CCL's carbon fee and dividend bill. The answer is not yet. Uh, I don't know of any Republicans that are on a carbon pricing bill. So it's not that they are uh, not just on the CCL bill. They're not on any carbon pricing bills yet. Uh, Yet, I say, because we're out to uh, make that safer for them by showing that it's a thing to be concerned about climate change as a conservative. And so um, another part of this question uh, is, uh, um, are there any um, industry-sponsored carbon fee bills that would limit the liability of uh, basically anybody that funded the merchants of doubt or continues to fund the merchants of doubt. Answer, as far as I know, I don't know of any 
any such limiting um, clause in a bill. Uh, what I do know is that uh, Climate Leadership Council has a concept bill that would um, preempt federal regulation of greenhouse gases. So it wouldn't say, well, if you funded the Merchants of Doubt, you get a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, not sure, by the way, if there would be any jail or responsibility for that. It's just something that they did. It's not illegal. Um, it's just pretty terrible, though, that they funded the Merchants of Doubt. So I don't know any, any bill that would um, speak to that, but there are bills, uh, like I say, or, or, or concept bills uh, that would speak to the idea of let's price carbon dioxide, but let's uh, therefore uh, preempt regulation of greenhouse gases. Hope that answers the questions. All right, and if you want to get your questions into us, or Bob, I should say, all you have to do is go on to Apple Podcast, go to the review section, uh, give it a star rating, whatever it is, and then when you can write a comment there, we would love to have you write your comment and question in that field. It takes seconds. Uh, there's no minimum. I mean, just type in your question. You don't have to put your name or anything. What you would like to know, it's whatever Bob loves to have for breakfast. Um, it can be climate related. Um, it can be political right. related. I know, I know the answer to the breakfast question. Uh, you should. So. Yeah. <laughs> you should. Everybody in our team should know. And it's not just oatmeal. It's got to be steaming hot Bob approved oatmeal where it literally is steaming. I don't know how the man can eat the sh- I mean, My esophagus <laughs> would hate me for probably the next five years of my life. So listeners, don't ask about breakfast. We just answered, but ask any other question, and we got you. That's exactly right. All right. Also, we need you, folks. We don't just need you to ask a question. We need you to do that in an Apple podcast, so please do that. But we also would love to have you join us at republican.org. It is simple, republican.org forward slash join. It will pop up, and you can put your name, email in there. We, we tell you every week, folks, we do not spam you. I think if you heard it enough. Um, we just try and correspond, communicate with you what's going on with us when we might be in your area, uh, potentially when we have webinars, um, when we have questions that we just simply want you to weigh in on. Um, we, we try and keep it very interactive and the engagement high, and that's why we need you. And we've also got a few new members. want to shout out Angelique E. in Colorado, Amanda B. in Michigan, Robert M. in Virginia, Marion J. in California, and Vincent A. in Pennsylvania. That name could be yours next. All you got to do is sign up at republican.org forward slash join. Chelsea Henderson. Join us. That's my parting message to everyone. Join us. Absolutely. Please join us. So let's go ahead and pop out of here, Chelsea, because we will do this again next week. I know still working on a guest, but we do hope everybody had a wonderful Labor Day holiday. And certainly, as we remember, um, the 9-11 20th anniversary uh, from this past weekend, I know it's an emotional time for so many of us around our great nation, um, remembering so many wonderful heroes that gave their life and sacrifice themselves for our country, and not just military members, first responders, police, firemen, people of all walks of life that um, that stepped up on that day and have since. So I know, Chelsea, from you and I would say thank you to them. That's right. It's always a little bit of an emotional day for me. Having been on Capitol Hill that day, nine months pregnant, had my baby four days later. So 
Uh, 9-11 is always and forever linked with Jack's birthday. And so on the one hand, it's hard to believe he's about to turn 20 and also hard to believe that 20 years have passed. Um, a whole generation has grown up in a post 9-11 world. So to everyone out there who lost somebody on that day or know somebody who lost somebody, we are feeling for you and just thinking positive thoughts about this country and um, all the heroes. Absolutely. But in the meantime, we do say thank you to all those folks. Everything that Chelsea just said right there. Know it's an emotional time. Um, everybody affected some way directly or indirectly. So we will step away and we will see you next week when we will have another episode of the Eco Right Speaks. For Chelsea Henderson, I'm Price Atkinson. Thanks to everybody for downloading, listening, subscribing, which you can do on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just go to your favorite app, search Eco Right Speaks. Until then, we will see you next week, Chelsea. We'll see you next week, Price. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.